finding product market fit for us, we were able to do it with students using it. So as we filled that content library, we knew how it was being received. So we could yeah. kind of just So there's a direct feedback on. loop there that you've got yeah. because you're writing it. How do you find the courage to try? Can you distill the clarity to start? What drives real commitment to keep going? Let's deconstruct complexity and make it simple. Let's learn how to take action and make progress. I'm Pete Seligman, and this is The Next Step. Hi everyone, Pete Seligman here with The Next Step podcast, and I'm here here with Sam Devlin, and we're gonna be talking about everything from students and making decisions about careers to starting businesses and having real commitment to make sure that you just keep going. So as I was saying before, I'm really excited about this conversation because I think there's a few angles to it. Obviously, you've been starting your own businesses over the last few years, but also your effective end user or clientele is a group of people who are really, really interested in trying to work out what they're going to do next and they need to go through a whole bunch of thought processes and part of what you do helps them actually do that. So what we might do is just start with a bit of background on you and kind of a bit of backstory on how you got to where you are now and a bit around how those businesses took shape. Yeah. Um, and then maybe we can dig into even before we started this, you were talking about some of the things you're going through right now to evolve those businesses. So it'd be interesting to hear about that too. But maybe just a quick bit background on Sam. Hi. Um, <laughs> so I did commerce at university and then I went into media. So I worked in television production for a while and then in analytics for a media company. So nothing like what I'm doing now. And then with my now co-founder, we just sat down one day and thought, well, how did we get into these jobs? Not that we didn't like them, we just didn't know how we got to that path. And we kind of said, if only I knew what I knew now, maybe the pathway I took to get into this position would have been different or I could have done something quicker or better or more effectively. And it kind of came down to that bridge from high school into uni or into whatever pathway you take that you don't know much about it. And it's always in hindsight that you have this advice for other people. And we thought, wouldn't it be amazing if there was a product that kind of bettered that bridge from high school to uni? So we started the footnotes. And we did that whilst we were still working full time, both of us, we did it at night. um, And we just launched a platform. We put a call out on social media and said, if anyone has a story about their job or their career or a course that they failed in or hated, let us know and we'll, we'll host it. And then in the first month, one of the articles got 80,000 hits and we just started growing traffic and our subscriber list started growing and then we just kept running it at night we had no commercial model at that point and then a few schools reached out to us and said we've got students bringing your content into our careers office would you come in and speak to our students because we love what you're doing kind of connecting industry to students in a in a real way and nothing was really sugar-coated none of the content like not all the content was a happy story sometimes people would say I'm a nurse, I did a three-year degree, and now I started working and I hate it, and now I don't know what I'm going to do. But those stories are so important to Mm. tell as well. And then we started going into schools and speaking, and then off the back of that, universities and partners started asking us if we could develop content with them about their alumni or students, and that kind of media model Mm. emerged. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was how, so effectively then you've got, well, almost four, but definitely three audiences, right? So you've got the students, the schools, the universities, and then obviously the parents started to come into play as well because they started to get interested in what the 
students were obviously thinking about. Yes. But how, so when you were first starting that bit, like your target was the student, right? Because yes. that, that were the people you were initially trying to help. Yeah, it was yeah. school leavers. And then what is interesting now is that when we look at our analytics, the audience has changed so dramatically. It used to just be 16, 17, 18 year olds. But now we have this emerging audience of people who are from 20 to 30. And what we realized was the problem still exists when you finish a course. You might say, I've got a marketing degree, but what the hell do I do with it? You still don't know what jobs are out there. You don't know what an agency is. You don't know what client side is. You don't know what creative is. And so those students are coming back to the site and visiting the information again, but with a different lens because they've now got a qualification and they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. So it's kind of changed a bit. We've got five audiences, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I, I remember when I was at school, there were just certain things I was good at and certain things I was bad at. And so I yeah. just followed the things that I was good at and ended up doing engineering. But yes. I think it's interesting. I mean, I don't really use my engineering now and probably only really used it properly for the first five years of my career. Because you're right, you don't really reflect on how did I make that decision to go from there to there until afterwards. Yeah, or students, I think there's this huge message in schools where they'll say, you know, follow your passion, but students aren't necessarily passionate about anything yet. Or they say, let your strengths guide them, but they don't really know what they're best at or where that leads them. And if it is something like maths, it's really simplistic for a careers advisor or a teacher or a parent to say, well, why don't you study engineering? Mm. But you need to work out what you like about maths. Like, as a student, is it that you like the structure that comes with a maths problem? Is it that you like black and white approaches to work? Because that doesn't necessarily mean you need to be an engineer, but it means that you will do really well in a workplace that has structure. Mm. And that kind of working style can be plugged into so many different industries. So we're kind of trying to communicate that message and make the whole process not as, I guess black and white as it used to be yeah and so how have you done a bit of that because i know that in previous discussions we've spoken about different things you've got on the website is that sitting in the footnotes so we had the footnotes which yeah. schools were using but then the audience was being diversified and we had this older audience group as well and schools were then saying you know we want lesson plans we want more structure but we didn't want to kind of deter that older audience from the site by making it just a school leaver platform So then we launched the careers department, which is a high school only platform that the schools will license off us. They buy access for their students in any year group that they want. There's different plans for every year at a high school level. And we plug in different modules in there. So they might do, they might listen to a podcast. So we we used to say to students, you know, pick up the phone and call someone with the job you want. But then we realized a child in Dubbo doesn't necessarily no marine biologist to call so then we will go and do that for them host it in the careers department or we'll do a virtual reality 360 camera we'll put it in the middle of a vet nursing class and film it so then students can see what it's like and so that kind of content is about helping them make informed choices that's amazing so because one of the things it's like when you were talking about i mean even as we see here today when people talk about marketing or people talk about creative or people talk about design i still don't understand all of the different <laughs> elements of that and i know that when in areas that i'm aware of like people say oh you're an engineer you must know this they don't realize that there's like a thousand different types of engineers yeah be. or they say oh you're an accountant so therefore you can do my tax and you're like i'm not that kind yeah. of accountant right? so <laughs> yeah. so there's no doubt that students sitting there thinking about what they might do next think in very generic terms there are so like many even, misconceptions even, vet or vet nurse or 
vet doctor or whatever, then there's all these specialisations you come out with after that. So, so I guess what you're trying to do then is break that down into pieces. Yeah. So you can see the reality. Definitely. There's kind of two approaches. You want to curb the dropout rate. I mean, so many, I'm never, every single school I go to, a student will tell me without a doubt, I want to be a forensic criminologist because (laughs) CSI and the, I don't know, everyone loves true crime. And so that's a huge kind of spike in popularity. Kids who love sport don't know where to articulate that passion, so then they'll go and do exercise science, but they don't really know what jobs come after. Or a student wants to be a psychologist, but they don't know that you have to do a postgrad to be a clinical psychologist, they only know about the undergrad. So by breaking down those misconceptions through content, I guess that curbs the dropout rate. And then the second part of what we do is open their eyes because you can only, it sounds really lame, but you can only be what you see. And if you if you live at home with your mum and dad, and I mean, in my instance, my dad's a builder, my mum worked in the construction industry as well in an office job. I wanted to go into media. What advice did they have for me? It's only limited to their experience. So for a student, if that's their main influencer, where do they get insight from? And how do they find out about that breadth of jobs that maybe aren't talked about around the dinner table unless it's in school or via a product? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of, there's two approaches. Yeah, yeah. right. And so can we, just changing tax slightly and more talking about your experience in kind of building those businesses. Yeah. So you said you started footnotes kind of at night time. Yeah. <laughs> how did you suddenly then decide you know what, this is like actually a full-time thing. This isn't just something that I'm going to have fun doing after hours. Like what was that tipping point? How did you then suddenly decide, you know what, I'm going to stop doing that and start doing this completely? My business partner, Sarah, and I had a figure in mind and we said when we can bring in this much revenue in a media capacity, we'll quit our jobs and give it a crack. Right. And so we hit that. that And that that, And you were talking about business models before. So that was when you were selling space effectively yeah. on your site to yeah. the people that were trying to get exposure to your audience. So that yeah. was, was, like you're saying, it was a media model. Yeah, so yeah. really simplistically, a university wants to, I guess, promote engineering. Yeah. Then we would go out and interview those students and host it on the site, and yeah. then our audience could do it. And then say UTS, whatever, yeah. engineering. So more eyeballs, higher contract value, yeah. bigger reach, more universities. And was it done on sort of one-off promotional packages or would they buy kind of a, a year of exposure? It's pretty hybrid just because universities are so different. Their structures are always, and not even universities, any college or industry partner. Sometimes there's just one faculty that's got an initiative to sell. I mean, engineering specifically, um, they've got a big capacity. for They won't get females into engineering. Yeah. So I might just work with one faculty at a uni versus at other universities it might be a bigger brand piece because they want to hit a metro audience and get some brand recognition so it's not necessarily a course sell yeah so it's kind of a few different ways that we did it and do you think there was something in particular about the skill set of you and your business partner that that enabled your success to be able to build that like what why why did it why did it work do you think i think we have been so particular to only work with universities or courses or course providers that we genuinely believe in the product they're offering. We were offered at the early on, there were a lot of kind of private colleges that wanted us to help them recruit students. And we just didn't feel that it sat right with us. And I think we just really care about the core of the business is we want to help students work out what they want to do. And 
for a long time, we just worked on building long-term partnerships with people that were providing really great options for students. And because of that, it meant we limited ourselves to just a few partners and worked really closely with them. And also they gave us a lot of creativity and a lot of creative freedom in the sense that we don't just get someone sitting in front of a green screen saying, I love this uni because of this. They let us go into a university with the student, give them a tour. We say, what's a challenge? What was a misconception? What do you love about it? And the piece that we produce is only as good as the facility or the student or the course. So it's not like you're selling to students. You're just just sharing every single option. And unis have been really great to let us do that. And if you come up against some where they say, I really want your support, can you come and do a program? And then you say, it's going to look like this. We're actually going to go inside and get all these. And they say, well, no, actually, that's too deep. We don't want to... Like, it, we, have it, it's has just it been a, non- a bit self-selecting? <laughs> where, like, some people have been willing to kind of raise the veil and others have been like, actually, no, we've decided... Well, I think unis are also proud of what they offer. And it's just a non-negotiable for us because yeah. our biggest... Our client at the end of the day is students and schools and they need, if you don't have every single point of view, students need this kind of advice. Like hearing, seeing someone walk in a colourful TVC through a food court saying, I love this university because it's really inclusive, isn't going to make you want to go to a university. But if I'm picking between a vet course, I want to know, like, are they dealing with small or large animals? What do the facilities look like? What are they doing? What subjects? Did they do maths in year 12? Yeah. And we asked them those nitty-gritty questions and it's almost kind of like vlog style. Yeah. And that's that's been our approach. Yeah, wow. So if I was to kind of summarise that though, what you're actually saying is, particularly in the early part of the business, you're focusing on getting the revenue from those people that are actually going to properly service your end user. Because yeah. I think the risk for a lot of new businesses is that they just take any revenue. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah. We're trying to get to that number, but like you were saying before, we're trying to yeah. get to a number. Let's just, you know, a coffee club wants to advertise on our site and they're willing to pay us, you know, a thousand bucks. Let's yeah. put coffee club on there. Whereas actually you're saying, no, it's even narrower than just our target market. We're saying yeah. we're going to work with people that are going to deliver value to our audience. Yes. And that this. focus. It must have been hard though sometimes. There yeah. would have been people <laughs> coming to you with money and you have to say no. Yeah, it's happened a few times and we've just had to think we need to stay true to what this business is meant to be. And it's so fickle, this industry, especially with students and schools. And you do have a big responsibility when a school says your program is going to be used by our year 10, 11 and 12s to help them work out what they want to do after yeah. school. There's a huge ethical, I mean, there's a, I feel a huge responsibility that I want to do a good job and help these students work out what they want to do. And you have to really cherry pick your clients and make sure that they share the same ethos. And yeah, yeah. yeah. but we're lucky. We've got great, great partners. And so what about in terms of the business that you have itself? Like, how have you managed to scale that over time? So it's you and your business partner and you've got other people around you yeah. or do you mainly outsource that stuff? Like, Bit how, of both. Like in terms of your own business operations, like how do you... So my business partner and I have obviously been there since day one um, and we've got, we've got a few full-timers and then we outsource mainly. Yeah. We outsource, yeah, yeah, when we can. Yeah. Yeah, so I and then you just got a network of people that you can rely upon to come in and out. Yeah, you need to we're, say do a project on this or do a project on that or onboard a new client or whatever. We're a pretty lean team, and everyone has kind of come from an education focus, whether they've been developing content for in the education space or they've been doing programs in schools. One of the girls on our team studied as a teacher, so she kind of understands the school landscape. Yeah. Sarah and I are probably 
the furthest from, <laughs> yeah. from the school area. Yeah. yeah. But I guess you're bringing that content piece, which is pretty critical to the audience you're trying to serve. Right? Yeah. And that's the bit that, that's yeah. really making what you're developing engaging for that end user. Yeah. So what about um, this shift to careers department? Like, so the careers department, as I said, that was a demand, well not a demand, that was a suggestion from schools. They kind of said, we love what you're doing, but can you put some kind of structure around it? Because we want to be able to use your content in classrooms but we can't just give them a website and let them yeah. visit it for half an hour. So then we went away and developed the careers department, which now schools can buy with their careers budget every year if they'd like to. And it gives them reporting on what their students, I guess, accessing. And that helps us, I guess, target students with relevant content to them. Yeah. So there's 880 pieces of content on there. So if a student says, I want to go into sport, for instance, we'll feed them into really traditional things like oh exercise science sports business but then also we've gone and interviewed for, for example a sales executive at the swans so yeah. then it's kind of like sport related content but it's a different yeah, yeah it's opening their eyes and yeah yeah so and so can. how do you i mean that's that's a huge volume of content right how your business model has changed with that right so how did you upskill yourself or how did you get to take that step from saying you're probably more comfortable with your other business model, personally, I'd imagine. Yeah. Like that whole, I, I understand that kind of media model and I understand how that kind of works and I understand the, the commercial aspects of eyeballs and all that kind of thing. Whereas now this is moving to a different business model and your customer has changed because you're selling now to the school instead of the space the university and all that kind of thing. The dynamic has changed. Like how, how did you manage to get your head around all of those changes at the same time? Because in one instance you could say, oh, it's just really similar, we're just developing this content and we're all working in the same space. But there's quite a few differences there. It's been difficult, definitely, in terms of, so one piece of content, say we do, I'll go back to that vet example, say we produce a video of vet tech we then need to syndicate that content then for the footnotes, but then also for the careers department, knowing that in the careers department that might be accessed in a science class for year 10, yeah. and it might also be accessed in year 12 for careers. Yeah. So we need there to be an activity that students can actually do after watching the video. So oh, there was a huge bridge between using existing content and putting it in, and how we upskilled ourselves, I would say, we just- Learn on the job. Learn on the job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's also because Sarah and I still work at such a grassroots level. We go to schools every week. We yeah. still speak to our the teachers that are using our product. We speak to our clients all the time. We still get the student emails every week. So because we're at such a grassroots level, when you see students using the content and working with it, it it makes it it is really rewarding and it kind of makes you want to get it all out quicker. And yeah. when students come back with questions, it's almost suggestive. And then we'll go away and produce more content for that. Yeah. So finding product market fit for us, we were able to do it with students using it. So as we filled that content library, we knew how it was being received. So we could yeah. kind of just... So there's a direct feedback on. loop there that you've got yeah. because you're right in there as it's going on. Yeah. So, and, and you mentioned once before that also the state government got involved from an education... They are great. They So we met with them originally just to kind of 
tell them about our product and to share, share with them what we were doing. And they gave us some really great feedback from classrooms about what teachers liked and what was kind of what five years ahead looked like in terms of careers advisory and how they're looking to link industry into classrooms. And they gave us some really great feedback, which was lovely of them. They kind of sat with us and looked through what we were doing. And then they recommended our product to their schools for careers advisory. And so that for us was amazing because it kind of gave us some reputation when yeah. we do go out to schools. Yeah. the framework you've developed. Yeah. And I mean, I appreciate that they're such a huge beast, the education department. So we, for them to sit down with us and actually kind of comb through what we we're doing yeah. was helpful. <laughs> and what about reach? Because your comment then around, we get to go and spend time with the schools and all that sort yeah. of thing. And I think I remember seeing some posts that you did previously where you went on like a road trip and you yep. actually went like a long way out. Like yes. <laughs> what is the reach at the moment and what's your views on reach in the future? Like, So for 2020, at this stage, even though we're still selling for next year, we'll have 150,000 secondary students logged into the program using it for the year, which is really exciting for us. We only launched term three this year, so that's great. That's digital. Face-to-face, we are going to do another rural tour next March and April, and we're seeing 10,000 students in rural New South Wales with the potential to maybe add on a Victorian leg in May. We're not sure yet. Yeah. And the face-to-face stuff in rural New South Wales, that is purely because those students don't get the kind of Sydney kids of people coming in all the time to talk to Mm. them, and it's a really competitive space to get to get in front of students in metro schools. But in regional areas, they don't really have that opportunity. And so it's great to go out and actually work with kids and yeah. help them kind of see more opportunity. And, and I think last time you had some other people with you in terms of professionals from different organisations. Yeah. Were they local people that as you were going through, you were then getting local people to join at each point? Or did yeah. you take some people with you? Or how did you, how did you coordinate that? They were mostly local people, which was yeah. amazing. My... My business partner's boyfriend is actually, he's from rural New South Wales and yeah. he happened to have people in pretty much every town that he could organise. They all know each other in the country. <laughs> we, one of the guys in our business is, um, is from kind of northwest New South Wales and it's almost like you mentioned any country town. And he's they like, probably, oh yeah, I know. Yeah. They, <laughs> they probably, probably know each other. Yeah. <laughs> so he was amazing. But when we went to every town, we would speak to the schools beforehand and say, where's the demand? And if they said agricultural science or construction or paramedics we would then reach out to those industries and say can we just grab someone from your business and get them on stage to ask them some questions yeah and break down misconceptions and yeah and even for those kids we tell them to ask people in a job that they think they might like about it but they don't really know how to articulate those questions or what to ask so those live q a's where we just had all these industry people on a stage we asked them a few questions and then the students could kind of better understand what they could ask. Yes. Yeah. Like what kind of question, how would you know what to ask? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you forget, with the lens of retrospect, you realise what you should have asked when you were younger, but when they're in that stage, they don't think that. Well, you don't know ahead. what you don't know, yeah. right? And so, therefore, you don't know how to get the question targeted in the right way. So the question ends up being so broad, you probably don't get yeah. the answer that you need anyway. So yeah. having someone almost ask questions for you is really valuable. We hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 seemed to be, and I mean, with one hundred and fifty thousand yeah. like signing up, yeah. it must be good. It's exciting. And, and you're getting kind of parents on board as well. That's a new model. So we we've got the school product, and then we had a few parents write into us and say, "My kids aren't using this product, but I've seen it because we were on the Today Show a 
few months ago, we kind of, we launched it, how do we get the product? And so then we launched an exit point for parents to buy it for their students yeah. and they kind of facilitate the discussion as a parent. Yeah. And so we kind of help the parents, I guess, you only know what you know. So we yeah. educate them on the questions that they need to ask their kids to lead them into fulfilling pathways, break down misconceptions so the parent knows what they need to challenge their child to understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. So just conscious of time because we need to wrap up shortly. But one of the things, so the, the three things that I talk about a lot um, in relation to like making progress. So how do you, and to the, to the title of the podcast, how do you take the next step? And there's sort of three things that always come to mind for me. And one of them is courage. The next one's clarity. And the third one is commitment then to keep going once you've started. What's, what would you say, um, even if you were to pick one of those three, and first of all for your business, and second of all for your students, as in your target market, what do you think is, is the most important of those three attributes, whether it be courage to have a go, clarity to know what to do, and commitment to actually do it once you've decided? How, how would you... I think from a business perspective it's commitment it's you just need to i don't think i mean in the media there's this kind of media presentation about startups where they say i got really lucky i found my passion followed my dream and everything fell together that is absolutely not the reality yeah. it's about commitment and consistency and getting out of bed every single day and just doing what you said you're going to do and getting that to-do list crossed off and doing everything with integrity knowing that we work directly with students we have to be everything there's so much responsibility in making sure our product is perfect and it's actually going to help students so commitment and just getting the job done you can't do something half-baked and send it out to a school yeah because there's a big impact yeah yeah i think for students on the flip side clarity they need to in that position when they're trying to work out what they want to do after school just understanding all of the options and not just being clouded by misconceptions or and if, if they think they've got a plan I do speak to some students and they say oh I'm going to be a criminologist for example I say great that's amazing but challenge yourself to know every single thing about that industry they should be able to tell me five companies that are going to be hiring criminologists by the time they finish what are three job titles that come after that who is one person that you look up to who is in that job have you looked on LinkedIn have you looked on a job site just challenge yourself to know everything. So I think clarity is really good to know. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks. Thanks very much for your time, Sam. Thank you.